0: You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. The uh, subject matter is uh, so deep and so profound and so inexhaustible that... um, it's it it it's I don't even know how to describe it, um, and uh, I, I've I've meditated on it, th- thought about it, studied about uh, the word of the Lord um, all week, uh, throughout the night. Uh, I would as I would wake up, I would be thinking about it, and there's there's so much here uh, that it is it's it's inexhaustible, <clears throat> and so and that, so I feel inept. I feel inept. I feel I, I am incapable of communicating to you uh, the the uh, profound truth that is here. And um, uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, you won't. Um, I won't share with you all that I shared last week. If you were here last week, I will share some of the things that I shared last week. I, I'm I'm guessing that this will be my last Sunday here with this subject. Uh, and, and perhaps move on. It just depends on what happens and, and, and where we end up and how it goes. So, uh, so I'm going to just ask that you will pray because I am not capable of communicating to you what you need to hear. Uh, God, the Holy Spirit, has to take it and illuminate your heart and your mind and bring to you the word of life. Uh, I am not able to do that. And, and so I recognize that I confess that. So I ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help uh, in, in my weakness be strong, O God, and let your word be uh, established, which you establish it. It will not be shaken. Uh, you have spoken. Uh, your word is true. Not one dot, not one tittle will we'll, we'll, we'll move. And so uh, help us as we think about this today and as we move forward in these texts and in, and in these thoughts. So uh, when, I, when the scripture says in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, And God said, Now that, see, you've heard that all your life. So that really doesn't, like I think I said last week, that doesn't really ring a bell. That doesn't really like send goosebumps all over you. You, you know that. You've heard it so many times that it, that it really doesn't rattle us or shake us or, or disturb us. But but it is it is important and it's it's in the very first book. It's in the it starts out in the third verse of the very first book, and God said, and when God says, we we need to be listening because it is the foundation of existence and truth. Whatever God says is the foundations of existence and truth, and that is so so important. And so the Hebrew writer and I'm I switched now go to the Old Testament. I'm switching over to the New Testament to the text of last week. In Hebrews, in the in the, um, uh, the first chapter, verses 1 through 4, the, the, the writer of Hebrews says, in, in various times, in various ways, in the past, God spoke. But in these last days, God has now spoken through His Son. And the implication of that is, there is not another word coming of self-revelation of God. Jesus, you can't get better. There's not a clear word There's not another revelation coming. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And so you need to nail that down. You need to nail that down. There is not another prophet. There is not another word. There is not another anything that that can say other than what Jesus has said to make God more fully known. And you really need to to nail that down because because times are coming, in fact, already have come, that even the very elect, if it were possible, would be moved off from the faith, would have their faith taken from them, stolen from them, or they'll give it away. They'll give it up. So you need to nail that down because times are coming. We have lived in a cocoon, so to speak, at least most of my life, where the cultural milieu was about, about Christianity, your church, your school, your neighborhood, your neighbor your grandparents, your grandmother, your mom and dad, pretty much everything kind of supported a a Christian worldview. That is not so today. In fact, the world system has always been and is now more than ever militant against Christian faith. Part of that is our own fault. Part of it is because the enemy is always working to undermine real faith. When the prophets wanted to speak, and they wanted the people to know that it was a serious word. There was this prophetic formula, and they would say something like this. Thus says the Lord. And if a prophet ever said that word, then you, you need to be paying attention to what the prophet is saying because God is speaking through His servant. So the writer of Hebrews says that now God has spoken through His Son. The final word of revelation, uh, of self-disclosure to the world, and it is Jesus. Um, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So neither Jesus nor the apostles, uh, none of of, of New Testament Scripture, allow for any other self-disclosure of God that can exceed or is greater than Jesus. And so every other so-called revelation, every other so-called truth is not that if it diminishes in any way who Jesus is and His supremacy. It is not to be accepted um, uh, Jesus is the radiant glory of God. This is what the New Testament says. This is what the, the scriptures teach. Jesus is the radiant expression of God. That is in Hebrews, the, the first chapter of the third verse. And Jesus said, and I repeat this from last week and however many times before, Jesus himself said, watch out, watch out, so that no one will deceive you. Because, because the demonic... Satan is much smarter than you are. He's just smarter than you are. He's been around a few more years than you have. He has a few more tricks up his sleeves. His logic is sharper than your, subject, your, 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 your your mind. And he can give you all kinds of reasons. And he does, and he will. So you need to watch out and be rooted and grounded in God's Word. Jesus is the living Word of God. And He ever lives. So... so uh, um and the words of God, words shape life and environment. Words shape life and environment. So we need to pay very careful attention to the words that we use and make sure that they are reflection of who Jesus is and who, who the, the, the triune God is. Even salvation, even the call of salvation is framed in words. The Hebrew writer says, today, if you hear his voice, speaking words to your heart and mind, today, if you hear, don't harden your heart. God is speaking. He is the speaking God, and he has given a full revelation of himself in the person of Jesus. In fact, if, see, I've struggled over this, but this is, this is the revelation. This is the truth. This is the word of the Lord. See, and I've said it so many times, it's, it sounds redundant for me to say it again, but I'm going to say it again. If I was God and I'm not, if He would have asked my opinion and He did not, I would have not chosen to make myself known in the present age with people like me. I would have Michael or Gabriel or whoever else in heaven to show up at churches on a Sunday morning and declare who He is. But it pleased God, Paul said, through the foolishness of preaching, proclaiming words that men who would believe and women would be saved. Because it is the Word. It's words. It is, a, it, is a, it is a hearing faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of the Lord. In fact, when Jesus would do a miracle, a visible kind of a thing, He would say, don't, don't go tell anybody about this. But He would say something about, go and tell them about, about, about Himself. And that was His last word, go and tell them about Me. So, so it is a, it is a, a word faith. It is a word faith. It is shaped on the word of God and the words of Jesus and Holy Scripture. And so our life, our life, how we live, our, our mind, our attitudes, our values need to be shaped by who God is and who Jesus is and the word of the Lord. It, it is so true. And I don't know what you had for breakfast this morning. I don't know what frame of mind you're in, But I'm just praying that somehow God can get this truth to us. Listen, it's so important. It's so important. Words, words are so important. Words are so powerful that they will literally shape the world that you live in. Your words will shape the world in which you live in. So if you want to live in a hostile environment, use hostile words. If you want to live in a dysfunctional, broken community, use those kinds of words. And sure enough, it'll show up. If you want to have a cantankerous household, then use cantankerous words. And that's what you will live in. Your words are so important. And what you say and how you say it will shape the, the environment in which you live. So, so we really, really have to, to have the mind of Christ and have the spirit of the Lord and the word of the Lord deeply, deeply buried, abiding, pressed in so that it's a part of who we are as a human being. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37. Listen to this. I mean, I'm sure I've heard this, but it leaped out at me this week. Listen to these words. For by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. That's powerful. Your words, the word of the Lord endures forever. Your words shape your life in this temporal moment. And it shapes your eternal destiny. We we do not understand. And that's part of my exasperation because I can't express it. We don't fully understand the weightiness of words. God spoke the world into existence. He didn't blink His eyes. He didn't, he didn't turn around three times. He spoke words. And the universe comes into existence. The power of words and how they shape life, and how they shape your life, and how they shape your internal environment, your internal attitude and atmosphere. It's so, so important. So you really, really have to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that words are powerful things. And they shape life. And we have to be very, very careful what it is that we're saying. Because just like God's words will not return to Him void, neither will yours. Words are powerful things. So your word, is they're not idle. They do things. They accomplish things. They change the environment. They change your world. And I know I already said that. But I'm wanting you to hear it because it's so, so vitally important. And so now I'm going to tap into something I said last week. I'll spend a little bit of time there, but I can't spend long there. But it's important. It's so important. In ancient times, 2,500 years ago or more, it, was, it, it became to be understood by those uh, who, who we look at as, as uh, wisdom seekers and, and philosophers and, and wise men uh, and women at the time that there was something, something about the created order that, that sustained itself. There was something about the way things were that, that kept things organized. And, and uh, why does the sea come up to the seashore and go no further? Why does it do that? It's so deep, it's so powerful. Why does it do that? You know, what makes the wind? How can we tell what the weather's going to be like? How is this so put together like this that we can understand it and we can relate to it and we can predict things and, and, and we, can, we can trust gravity? We know that if we go to the edge of a cliff, we're not going to float up. We're going to fall down. Why does this all work the way that it does? And they came up with a, a, a word, a, a concept, and they called that uh, Heraclitus, uh, as far as we, can, as far as I can tell, anything I've read, uh, it was the first around uh, 450 BC, 450 years before Jesus was born. Came up with this word to try to describe this thing that they understood that kept the whole universe together. I mean, planets, stars, uh, it, it all worked together, and what what kept it together instead of flying apart? And they called this thing the logos. This was pre-Christ. This was this was uh, about the time when the prophet, the last prophet, spoke in Israel to give you some kind of time frame. They begin to understand that there's something that keeps us all together, and they called it the Logos. Plato uh, uh, goes into it. Aristotle goes into it. Philo, the Jewish philosopher, goes into it, <clears throat> and they understood this thing. So here comes here comes Jesus, and here comes his disciples, and John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Tapped into this word that the the pagans, the heathen, already understood. And the whole world understands it. The whole world understands it. That there is a law, there is a rule, there is something that keeps us all together. And we've tried to come up with various kinds of theories as to why it stays together rather than falls apart. So they call that the logos. So John borrows that word because words are how we communicate. That's how we communicate. That's how we try to describe what is. We take the language of the culture and the place that we are, and we try to use the words to try to communicate things that we understand. And we try to communicate our heart, our mind, our life, our values by our words. So John took a word that was readily understood under this person of the Holy Spirit and said, this thing that you guys call the Logos, that keeps everything together, let me tell you who it is. The word, he used the very word, which which, uh, Heraclitus, which Aristotle, which Plato, which Philo used, which was commonly understood in their time. This thing that you guys understand is logos. Remember when Paul went to Athens? He said, you guys have this God, you have this statue to the unknown God. I want to talk to you about that one. That one that you don't understand. Because you see, with your mind, with the human mind, we can grasp certain things. But there's some things that you can only get through revelation. There's only some things you can get through Revelation, and you either accept it or you don't accept it. It's that simple. So I want to declare that one to you. John says to you, you Gentiles, this thing that you call the Logos that keeps everything together, I want to talk to you about that. The Logos was in the beginning, and there was nothing that was made that that has been made that he did not make. He was with God, and he is God, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the logos. Jesus is the Word, and by His powerful word, He keeps all things together. By His powerful word. Again, not by blinking at eyes, not by tapping His toe, but by His powerful word, He sustains all things. So it's very, very important. So uh, So the Lord is about to help me and, and help you in, in your hearing. The astonishing thing, which I mentioned last week, which is, which is, which is completely antithetical to a, I mean, a Platonic or the, the teachings of Plato. So, see, Plato thought that things on the earth were impure, and there's no way the divine can have inner interaction with the material because the moment it touches the material, it's contaminated. It's no longer divine. That's a Platonic thought. However, John says, not so. The Word, the eternal Word became flesh. And this is Jesus, God with Emmanuel, God with us. God has come in the flesh, in the person of Jesus, and He is the exact representation of the Father. So um, the Word sustains all things, created all things, upholds all things, and Jesus is that, without which nothing else is. And that is a profound thought. So words are powerful things. Even the scripture says, "Your own words, your words, whose words? Your words have the power of life and death." Now Jesus said, "Having understood that He is the Logos, He is the eternal principle. He is divine. He is He is God in the flesh. He is the Tri. He is one of he's the second person of the Triune Godhead." He said to us while he was on the earth, and it was recorded for us to hear I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he is the word of the Lord. He is from the beginning and without ending and without ending, without beginning, without ending. So, so here's the deal. So your thoughts, the words of your mouth, the attitudes of your heart need to be in alignment with who Jesus is. The truth and life, his truth and your life need to line up. If they do not, in any, in any measure, there is distortion in that part of your life. And you'll feel it, and you'll know it until it is aligned. So if you have a sharp tongue, you'll immediately feel that distortion. If you have a quick temper, you'll immediately feel that distortion. If you have, a, if you have a, a, a thoughts of envy and, and jealousy or rage, you'll immediately feel that distortion in your being because it doesn't line up with the truth and life. And so your life has these dis- disordinate dimensions to it which manifest themselves in our, in our environment. I hope that you're able to hear what I'm trying to say. So, like I said last week, it's bad enough if you just had that disordinate thing in you. That would be bad enough. But, the, but, but to make it worse is that, is that it, it, it reverberates out into our environment. So if you're a cantankerous at home, guess who all has to deal with it? Everybody at home. If you're a scoundrel at work, guess who has to deal with that? Everybody at work. If you're a cantankerous at church, guess who has to deal with that? Everybody at church. So it's not just you. Your distortion vibrates, reverberates out far from you. But if you are a person of peace and a person of Christ and a person of holiness and you bring that into the environment, guess who gets the blessing of that? You could almost shout. I mean, I could almost jump over that altar, take two or three laps. I'm not going to. But I could. And that will be what the new kingdom is like. Our lives will be fully in alignment and fully in peace and fully put back together. So can you imagine that kind of world? Oh this is like heaven to me. Oh this is like heaven to I've crossed over Jordan to Canaan's fair. Okay, some don't even know what I'm talking about but So even your speech is very powerful. Ah so, this is another reason why I, I stopped on this. this is, now, now I'm back where I stopped last week. And you thought I was just wrapping up, <laughs> if you could be so lucky. But I'll be mindful, I'll be mindful and have mercy. Okay, so this is why it is so important that we do not lie, that we do not tell untruths, that we speak the truth, because God speaks the truth. So it's important for us to speak the truth. Now, I almost got myself in trouble by trying to make applications of this truth is that your truth has to be measured with grace because you can be so truthful, you can be so ungodly. So Jesus came full of grace and truth. If He just came with truth, we would be annihilated. So he tempers it with grace and truth because he, he speaks in a way, so, so listen, he speaks in such a way so that what he speaks is for my good. Not to kill me because he could do that now. He speaks in such a way so that it's for my good. So when you discipline your children, it's not because you're trying to ruin their life or necessarily just to call them out, which you could do, you could do that. But that's not your heart as a parent. You're, you're speaking to them so for their good. And so, so God speaks to us, and so the Word speaks to us for our good. And when God speaks, it is good. If you go back to Genesis, and the Lord created um, the light from the dark the, on the first day, which I just read part of it. And He looked at it and He said, This is good. And so then he, he separated the, 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 the firmament. And then he, he, he brought up the dry ground. And he looked at it and he said, this is good. And I, I feel, and I've used this many times before. And he made man. And it's the one thing It's not good. <laughs> Let me do this. Let me do something about this. And ladies, this so is where you come on. The scene. And when he put that together, he said, This is good. So when God speaks and he puts it together, it is good. Now, any philosophy, any cultural value. What's another word? Whatever word do you want to put that's the synonymous or similar to those words that is not in alignment with what God has spoken will bring about disorder, dysfunction, and death. You can mark it down. Now it may not be in the moment, but it's coming. I mean, you can look back in history. You can look back in history, as far back as you want to go, at any time... With any people on any continent, with any nation that sets up a system that is not in harmony with God, what God has spoken, death lies right there. And we're not that far away, less than 100 years than the slaughter of millions of people from atheistic communism in China and in Russia and even North Korea and other places in the world like that. who who, who owned for themselves a value system that was not in alignment with who God is. And death and carnage happens. Even, we don't have to look over there, we can look right here. Any time, any value or any system that is put into place and is acted upon that does not line up with who God is as revealed in the person of Jesus, death lies at the door. It just does. It's axiomatic. You, 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 it, that's the way that it is. Jesus, When Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, but you don't follow that, you're not going to have life. You're going to have distortion. You're going to have disorder. You're going to have brokenness. You're going to have marring and scarring of life and eventually death because that's where it goes. And it doesn't matter if it comes at the hands of the state. It doesn't matter if it comes at the hand of a parent. It doesn't matter if it comes at the hands of a police officer. It doesn't matter if it comes at the hands of of the church. Anytime any value is put in place, That is not in alignment with what God has said and who Jesus is, death is right around the corner. It's just the truth. And when we do not value an individual as an individual created in the image of God, now listen to that. Whenever, whenever, whoever, wherever, any individual, any individual, who does that exclude? Who does that exclude? That exclude anybody, any individual that is not created as an image bearer of God. Death is just right around the corner. How do you think? See, Germany, Germany wasn't some you know, dark continent down in the very darkness of Africa in its darkest hour. Germany was a first world nation with great power and Christianity. All around it in churches and steeples and preachers and priests. But the culture, the culture began to buy into a lie that some people, some people were not image bearers. And they killed, not in a pagan, Gothic, third world country somewhere, in a first world country, Western country, killed over six million human beings. Under an idea. So I'm trying to say. You see. that's why This is why. It's so vitally important. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your credentials are. I, I, I don't care how money, much money you have. Or how much money you do not have. If you are not rooted and established. In the word of the Lord. You do not know. How evil of a human being. You can be. You don't know. You don't know the wickedness and anger and outrage and hostility and distortion you can reverberate out into the world. What was it, two years ago? A young boy goes into a church in Charleston, had given himself over to a lie, and he goes into a Bible study and kills as many as he can. How can that be? Well, it's like, who is it, John Bunyan said, except for the grace of God, that could be me. You see, you need to take seriously how wicked and how evil you can potentially be. And only then, only then. See, if you don't take that seriously, you'll be flipping about it. You won't take it seriously. You won't run for refuge to God who will save you. Even John Wesley, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was in a sermon or a conversation. John Wesley said, "Except for the grace of God, we would all be devils." Was it Jeremiah, the prophet, said the heart of the human being is so desperately wicked; it's beyond finding out. But for the grace of God, and when that when that diminishes or evaporates, we're in trouble. What happens is, we're bad enough. The devil gets a lot of credit for things that we do. I'm not kidding. But he gets way too much credit. Way too much credit. Listen, the devil didn't make you do nothing. He might have tried to entice you. He might have tried to tempt you. But it was you. It was me. So the Hebrew writer, once again, whoops. Oh boy. So the Hebrew writer says, and I'll I'll tell you what he says here in just a minute. Here it is. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord is quick and is powerful, meaning it's alive and it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and penetrating even to the soul and the spirit. So even the meanest, cantankerous hard person that you know of when they quiet their mind and they quiet their spirit and they lay their head down on the pillow and they're going to shut the world out because they've cussed it enough for one day why you act like that why do you talk like that do you really want to be that kind of human being do you really want to go there do you really want to be angry all the time But, Paul said, the things of the Spirit are spiritually discerned. So if they shut their mind off, oh man, i got to learn this thing better. So when they shut their mind off to the quiet whispers of the Spirit and reject, listen to this, and they reject the gentle prompting of the Spirit of the Lord, their spiritual eyes become blinded. Their ability to discern and to see becomes blind. And and the scripture talks about they exchange the word of God for a lie. And so this is what's so scary. Is that God sees their heart and he sees that they have rejected the truth of his word. And so it says that he gives them over. He gives them over to their own lie. Or the lie that they bought into. He gives them over to it. And then Paul goes on to say in Romans, the first chapter, and so he gives them over to all kinds of of just crazy life. Crazy life that they choose. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and 23, if the light within you is instead darkness, he asks a question, doesn't give an answer to, how great is that darkness? The God, uh, as Paul again says, the God of this age blinds their eyes. So they cannot see the truth and the beauty of the face of Jesus. And what he does then is he blinds them and then he, he, he compels them, he, he drives them, he whispers to them, go ahead and live your own truth. You see, if you, don't, if you don't accept God's truth, guess what you're going to do? You're going to make up your own truth. You're going to make up your own. And I said last week, I, I despised that phrase. Well, his truth is this or her truth is that. There is The truth. Now you can have a perspective or an opinion, but the truth remains. And it may be that your perspective or your opinion might need an adjustment or mine. But there is a truth, and there is a way, and there is a rightness, and there is a path to walk. The scripture says there is a way that seems right to men, but the end of it is destruction. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, if anyone follows me, they will not walk in the dark, but will have the light of life. This is true. Not only is it true, well, let me shift what I say is true. The word of of God uh, is light and life and will not walk in darkness. It is also true on the opposite end. Even in the dark arts, of witchcraft and sorcery. Guess what they use? Words. They have prayers and incantations. They can have all the little instruments laid around, but if they don't word, enunciate, speak, nothing's happening. So they, just like we have an invocation, they have invocations and invite the dark realm into where they are. See, on the power of your tongue, your tongue is a very, very powerful thing. So you need to take it seriously because it's either in alignment with the truth or it's bearing witness to a, a darkness. So like, like um, Job, it says of Job, he, he dwelt in a very, we could use the phrase God-forsaken place. But it says about Job, he vexed his righteous soul daily. Uh, Terry, if you want to come on up and just start playing, that'll help me quit. Listen. The Bible says, the soul that sins, it will die. Now, now let's, and we've heard some teaching on that, but I want to give you maybe another, something maybe you haven't thought about, or maybe you did, but just remind you. The soul that sins, it will die. Listen to this. When you lie, when you live a lie, when you don't line your line up with the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, and you live out a lie, you're killing your own soul. Seriously. The soul that sins, that, that, that soul will die. Jesus said, do not fear men. Don't be afraid of men. The worst they can do is kill your body then you'll really know what real life is like. But he said, rather fear God who can destroy both the body and the soul. See, men can take my life from me, but God holds my very essence and my very being, what we call soul. And no one can take that from his hand. So, listen to this. I got to wrap up, so I'm skipping stuff around. <clears throat> but I thought this was a powerful statement. So, so, we don't live out a lie. And sometimes we live out a lie in a pursuit of what we consider to be happiness and pleasure. So, we lie thinking that what we're going to get with the lie is happiness, or that what we can get with the lie or the distortion or not following the word will bring us pleasure. And I, I heard this uh, just this week from Rave Zacharias, who's now uh, gone on to glory. He said this, Pilate asked Jesus, What is truth? He asked the greatest question of life to the greatest authority of life. Not listening, he walked away and committed the greatest sin. I'm closing my Bible. That should be a good clue, make you feel better. A Hebrew proverb. Happiness and pleasure are like shadows. Now listen, I'm almost done, seriously. So so just engage just for a few minutes. If you can get this, it'll be worth coming to church for. Not because I said it, because it's, it's an old proverb. Happiness and pleasure are like shadows. They are byproducts of the light. They can't create themselves. They're just byproducts. And we wear ourselves out chasing happiness and pleasure. Now, hold on. As long as you are facing forward, moving toward the lights, guess what always follows you? The shadows. We'll we'll call them happiness and pleasure. But if you turn... To try to capture the happiness and pleasure you will always be chasing, never fulfilling. The only happiness, the only joy, the only real peace is the Son, who is light and life and the expressed Word of God. So be careful of your words. Make sure they align with His Word and let everything else fall. Make sure that you speak the truth in love, measured with grace, seasoned with salt. And the word of redemption and salvation is in your mouth and in your heart. Let me read you this final verse, and I'm done. Romans 10, 8. The word, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim to you. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen to this. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that profession is made to salvation. So whatever you do, seek the way and the truth and the life which is Jesus, and that your words, that your value, values, that your life, your reflection of that, and everyone around you will be blessed. Lord, your word is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, you are that. So I pray, Lord, this morning that we as your people will uh, give a diligent heed to what you say and who you are. You are the living word, and you have left to us the Holy Spirit that is able to speak to us in the present moment in our hearts and lives. And in your presence, we are changed, we are transformed, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. So as the scripture says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God, my Redeemer. Now, go in peace and in the word of the Lord and let your light so shine before others that they will see your good life and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.